Welcome to the Psychology World Podcast with me, Conor Whiteley. Psychology student and international best-selling psychology author of over 30 psychology books, bringing you the latest psychology news, fascinating psychology topics and more each week. If you want to learn more, then please check out connorwhiteley.net forward slash books. And don't forget to like and subscribe to the YouTube video or follow on your favourite podcast app. And here's the show. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 229 of the Psychology World Podcast with me, Con Whiteley. And today's episode is on what is emotional focused therapy and is Sunday the 16th of September 2023 as I record this so I'm recording this a lot later than normal because so much has happened like this week which I'm really happy about and to be honest because of how good this week's been I'm perfectly happy recording the podcast at sort of like the last minute because as you all know normally I record the podcast like on a Saturday or if really needed, like on a Friday, and then I edit it and upload it on like Sunday morning. Morning, though, that couldn't happen. But this is a great episode. I think it's going to be really interesting looking back at this because I wrote this for a very specific reason, and now that reason isn't really needed. So I think it'd be great to like look back at it. This is really useful, and it's always good to explore different forms of a psychotherapy that we just that we are just never ever exposed to before as psychology students and even psychology professionals don't really know all the different types of psychotherapies because let's face it there's way too many (laughs) at times to actually learn about all of them in any depth so really interesting really useful and I hope you enjoy it so we're moving on to the psychology news section we're reading from the British Psychological Society Research Digest. And the first one is Finding spirituality in science benefits well-being and learning. Science in those the systemic search for knowledge. But as the authors of a new paper note, it is a lot more than it's simply an exercise in code calculation. Open quote. It can yield Arvin aspiring discoveries and theories that create meanings, feelings of connections and wonder. Close quote. Write Jess Pritzen at the University of Warwick and colleagues in the Personality and Social Psychology Bulletin. The new work reveals how finding wonder in scientific discovery can go so far as to constitute as a spiritual, as a spiritual experience providing benefits for both well-being and learning. Okay, so this I think is quite an interesting one because I admit, I admit because I admit that after one of the podcast episodes, I really do love like research in like, um, specific areas of like psychology and human behaviour. I absolutely like, love it. I do this a podcast because I find clinical psychology interesting. And I find tons of different areas interesting. Like, I would not be doing these podcast episodes if I found them boring. Believe me, life is way too short for that. But it's, but would I call it a spiritual experience? No, like, seriously not. 
probably the last thing I would ever call it, but it's fun. It's interesting. And there are, and psychology is really, really quite wondrous at times. And you get some stuff which is very R inspiring. I definitely understand it. If science was nothing more as a code calculation, then it would be so dull, and we would and we would never do it. <laughs> so it's definitely food for thought. The second one is conspiracy fans are less likely to think analytically. I don't know why this is a news flash. Conspiracy theories are on the rise, from COVID denialism to flat earthers. More and more people are subscribing to ideas that have little basis in fact. One such example is the Great Replacement Theory. Oh, I've seen this and I think this is the most stupidest thing ever. It's a white um, nationalist conspiracy theory that claims that elite parties are purposely replacing white and Christian populations with non-white immigrants. Um, I'm sorry, that is just stupid. If you look at any data, you know that's not happening. While still a very fringe of belief in recent years, the idea has gone mainstream, capitalised on by far-right politicians, broadcasters and even celebrities. But what leads people to fall for this kind of conspiracy? A team of academics are from across Germany, and that's actually a really good country to actually study this sort of thing, um, writing recently in, in Social Psychological Bulletin, explores the possible role of reflective thinking, a form of a critical thinking used to reflect on egg, egg experiences and learning, so as to incorporate them into the bigger picture. So, I mean, conspiracy theories, I think they're really interesting to learn about, but I think you've got to be careful because some conspiracy theories, they do sound quite reasonable. And I remember in my conspiracy theory lecture back in 2022, one of the reasons why people actually start to believe them is because if a conspiracy theory agrees with one of your beliefs, even like a small part of it, then as you think about it more, then the rest of it can actually start to make a lot more sense. So um, I think they're really interesting. They're definitely flat out critical, but uh, I think you just uh, got to be careful. And I would say that if you see an icon conspiracy theory, I would just say stay away from it, <laughs> just to be on like, the like, safe side there. So um, it's interesting. It's dangerous. But um, the German like study, though, is actually... Well, it's actually a like, really good like, place though, especially because of the far-right stuff happening in uh, Germany. And I'm sorry, that is scary. I, I was reading um, some like, news reports about the German elections um, like recently, and it is just like what's going on in like, Germany and the rise of the far-right is just, it's, it is just scary. So the final one is, if you expect boring lectures, you'll probably end up feeling more bored. And yes, we did cover this last year, but we're going into the new academic year, we've, we've got to remind ourselves of this critical fact. Congratulations and welcome to all the new students beginning their studies in psychology this month. And definitely well done everyone. 
We're thrilled to have you with us and look forward to seeing you push our field's research further in the years to come. This week, we dip into the Research Digest archives. Last October, we covered recent research that suggests in a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy that merely anticipating a lecture will be boring leads people to ultimately feel more bored. Psychology is a massive field of, of study and overlaps with everything from biology to law to art. So do yourself a favour, let go of your preconceived notions of which topics might be dull, dive in and just egg explore them. Research suggests that that's the less boring path after all. And this I completely agree with because if you want something to be boring, you will find it boring boring though and like um yeah and i completely like agree though because i think um developmental psychology is boring i always find it boring and like whenever there was an, an applied psychology lecture on it it was dull and same goes for like business psychology um yeah like there's tons of different areas of psychology i do find dull and really really boring but that's not a healthy attitude. It's not a good thing to actually think about that. Like I know one of my modules, um, the social psychology of intergroup relations. It's a module that I was forced to pick. Oh, I was so annoyed. I was so annoyed to put them in. I couldn't do um, advanced developmental like psychopathology. So I was really quite like annoyed about that. And I know in that lecture, I've actually got to focus and I've actually got to go in that thinking that it's going to be fun. I could not care less about social psychology in that sense. So it's a shame that there will be modules, that there will be topics that you find boring, but that's just called a personal taste. It's up to you as the student to actually focus and actually want to learn about it because if you want to learn about it you'll enjoy it more and hopefully and hopefully you'll retain the information so i hope you enjoyed the psychology news section so let's move on to the personal update so we're moving on to the personal update this has been a really good week that I flat out loved it. Loved it. So um, this is uh, going to be done in like two parts though. So uh, first of all, I mentioned uh, last week I was on a learning disability worker experience week. That was, that was like really good and there will be a, a podcast episode on it next week. That's what I'm going to try and uh, aim for because... Because it wasn't all entirely psychology based, I didn't go out with a psychology team. I went out with uh, like learning disability nurses, speech and language therapists. So that's very like psychology based, occupational therapy and the physio team. Um, I need to sort of get my head around how to make it a psychology episode. Because this is a um, psychology podcast after all. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm... I really, really enjoyed it. It made me, it definitely confirmed my beliefs that I don't want to work with people with learning disabilities because it's not what I'm interested in. It is simply not what I'm interested in. And I've seen so many amazing people this week with such energy, such passion, and they've been able to do amazing stuff. And I just look at them and I'm going, yeah, that's so not me. I've got so many other interests in psychology. Learning disabilities is simply not one of them. If 
by now if I want to get on to the Doctor of Clinical Psychology I will have to build up my experience and my a little more working with people with learning disabilities so that's something like uh, for the future but great week really enjoyed it and um, you definitely learn a lot about the NHS so, so that was interesting scary and concerning and I mean like I'm amazed some care homes are actually still open that's all I'm gonna say say though so definitely well worth doing it and if you're a psychology student, then definitely try and like, get some work experience during your degree. Definitely like contact like um, places. Definitely try and like and just to try and like do develop your professional skills any way that you can. Because at the end of the day, you can have a degree, but um, so do ten thousand other people. At the end of your academic year. Is the experience of that makes you different and helps you to stand out. So I did that like Monday to a Friday. And then I also have to like mention though that Wednesday I went to um, a like social event. And I like, you know, on the podcast that we've spoken a lot before about the benefits of like going out, mixing with other people and just like socialising. But wow, socialising, I'd actually forgotten because I've not done intense socialising for months and months and months because I've not been at a university, I've actually forgotten how good it feels. feels so, again, so the reason why I'm like telling you this is that I know that um, quite a lot of like psychology students actually like listen to the podcast, but this year, because I know tomorrow is like Freshers Week, I would definitely say that sort of like get over it yourself you've got to stop being scared and just try and like go just try and like go to like different events have fun and just try and like meet like different people that were people that were because of freshers week it's scary as hell i will admit that for my first year but but it does apply to a lot of great chances there to actually like meet people yeah and then like another reason why this week was actually really good and really helpful is that because, so you know the past few podcast episodes have been focused on my mental health, my recovery, me trying to be the best version of myself I possibly could. Well, that took a really interesting turn this week. Uh, week that were because I like, went out and I am being a lot more like social. I am trying to live more authentically, which is why I went out to a specific event on like Wednesday. Wednesday so that was like really good, really like helpful. I like made some like new friends. Yeah, and then like what happened was that like Friday night I finally found out that I did lose um a really good friend. We have like a friend though that had done nothing but supported and actually cared about me like for ages. Ages though, so that was like really like tough though. And then yesterday, um yesterday was really, really healing healing though because like yesterday me my parents and my family we had a massive conversation about everything from the from the past like decade the reasons for my mental health struggles and basically everything that i mentioned back in june on the podcast about how living in an like, um, anti-gay world can actually really like can actually hurt you and to give you a lot 
overwhelmed a lot of like mental health like struggles and it was really healing like we spoke for hours about everything and it was really good good though so i came out to my family on like facebook which i admit i only did because i be yeah, well because i just was i needed to do it for me and to be honest i really don't care if my family knows so i'm not going to do it like in like a person because there's just no point me being gay is not only a big enough part of it myself i have to actually do it like in like a person um, so the reason why i'm actually telling about all of you this is that because even though this has been a really intense six weeks of my life and i've had to overcome so much i've had to learn a lot i'm really glad that this is the ending that it's happened because this is all i've ever wanted i've only ever wanted to live authentically have um a loving supported family around me and just have an honest conversation and yes it took time yes it was hard yes it needed like therapy but to flip this back on the clinical psychology point of though when you're dealing with people that have had really bad mental health things do take time and like as much as we all want everything to be like quick fix like every single client wants therapy to be a quick fix but that's not how therapy works it's not how mental health works it's not how life works works so yes i was in a good place place where if that conversation didn't have happened it wouldn't have been the end of the world because that's what therapy was really like good for i'm really glad that it did happen and now i know that for the rest of my life because this is everything i've ever wanted for the past 10 years i know that it will be good i know that my life and my future and my mental health will be good like you and i forward though plus personally i'm really am like looking forward to actually um going like back to other podcast episodes of which aren't so much um like me focused or for my benefit i can you know i can actually start having like fun like on the uh, podcast again which i am really really looking forward to <laughs> yeah but the last clinical psychology point is that i would just say that uh, because the reason why I do talk about this, the reason why I've done a memoir type thing, which I've actually got to finish this week, now that this healing journey is basically done, like for now, um, is that we all need like lived experience. Because even though lots of us will never have really bad mental health, we will never have the problems that our clients have to deal with. It's good to hear about them. It's good to learn about them, and it's good. To and it's good that we actually have the knowledge just so when someone does come through our doors with these mental health difficulties, we can at least have an inkling about how they feel and what we might need to ask them to help um, get them a type of little more information there because it's hard. It's hard to reveal in stuff that you've just taken out for like granted though. Like it was basically every five minutes. Like, like yesterday's a conversation I was just having to like be honest about something though because I was, I've just been hiding it like for years. So it was interesting. It was hard. But I'm really glad that some um, life or life can now get better. And then the final point for me, a psychology student perspective is definitely 
if you are struggling, if you do need to socialise more, definitely. And if you're a like university student of a course, definitely just talk to these societies. Like go to like societies, just look at what your university offers offers there because because I need to get my autism diagnosis now just so I can get um support for social relationships. I've got an appointment tomorrow that's online. I've got my counselling assessment on Thursday so I can also get counselling from the university and then I'm also joining like lots of like societies just so I can start to like mix with more people. So I know it's scary and even if you don't have like mental health difficulties it's still scary like going to university or starting a new year but you just got to do it because it really can be a lot of fun. Wednesday, great fun really good to meet like more people so definitely try and be more social this year so as always i always love to hear your thoughts and feelings on today's episode don't you can always email me conorwiley.net you can always leave a comment and the shout out at conorwiley.net forward slash podcast and you can always tweet me on twitter at sci-fi wiley i always love to hear from all of you because it really helps make the podcast feel more like a conversation and today's podcast episode has been sponsored by Psychology of Relationships, the social psychology of friendships, romantic relationships and more. So this is an absolute brilliant sponsor for today's episode because I really do like love this book, book because it covers so many great things about relationships. For example, what's the biological, social and the psychological causes of friendships and romantic relationships and it also talks about the psychology of like sexuality, communication, homosexuality and so many more great like relationship based topics including like my personal favourite why do relationships change and end that's always a really interesting one and ducks model well like it's always a really like fun uh, topic which which I definitely like uh, gets you thinking and it also gets you like applying it to your own life. <laughs> and uh, then the uh, next half of the, the, the uh, like, book focuses on like pro-social behaviour. Like the psychology behind altruism, how do we promote pro-social behaviour, bystanderism, the bystander effect and so many more great topics. So I like, love this book and, and I cannot like recommend it enough. So that is psychology of relationships, the social psychology of friendships, romantic relationships and more. Available from all major ebook retailers and you can get the paperback and hardback version from Amazon, your local books to all local library if you request it. And you can buy the ebook directly from me at payhip.com forward slash Colin Whiteley. So whilst buying books helps us to support the the creation and the editing of the podcast, my time is sponsored by my wonderful patrons. And as always, a absolute massive thank you to my wonderful patrons because your support helps to show whether you like the show and you actually want it to continue. So if you want to become a patron of the show and get tons of tons of great rewards, then you can now become a patron at patreon.com forward slash the Psychology World Podcast. So that's enough of the personality. Let's move on to the content part of today's episode. So 
Seven Millions to be content part of uh, today's episode. So what we're going to be talking about today is what is emotionally focused therapy. This is a great episode that I really, really loved. And it's also quite interesting now because I wrote this on Tuesday, which was before I went away. Well, because I stayed down at my aunt's on the like Wednesday, Thursday and the Friday of my like, work experience like. So that was about like four days before I actually healed like properly and I actually got my life like sorted out though. So some of it is still in like included in like a today's episode. So I think it'd be really interesting to actually like look back at it. So let's dive into it. What is emotionally focused therapy? Emotionally focused therapy is a short term psychological therapy that aims to give a, a couple a way to rekindle their emotional and physical bond that tends to get lost to disappointment and alienation from a partner. This is a, a, a common a dynamic in distressed couples. As a result, emotionally focused therapy draws on attachment theory and similar research, so the therapy believes the best level or vehicle of therapeutic change is the security of the partner connection, as well as this connection it's a, a great source for individuals and couples and couple growth too. Therefore, the love in the relationship is a transformative and the reforming of this emotional and physical bond allows the couple to be open and responsive to each other. This allows them to create a, a mutually satisfying and supportive relationship, one that will last in the present and for the future. In addition, emotionally focused therapy on the research showing that our emotions are the organising principles of our lives, as well as when a partner shows the emotions of belonging and sadness compared to isolation, then this is a powerful tool for re-establishing that loss of contact and responsiveness of a partner. Then, once this contact has been restored, it can become a source for mutual comfort. In other words, a buffer against the many stresses life might throw at our clients. Moreover, emotionally focused therapists allow couples to discover any un unmet need for closeness in the relationship are normally underlined by alienation or anger. Then the therapist helps them to realise that sharing this vulnerability opens new ways to communicate and to create instant opportunities for the couple to be tender with each other. This was phrased by one of the developers of emotionally focused therapy, Sue Johnson, as open quote. Emotional responsiveness, tuning into and supporting the other, is the key defining element of love. Close quote. How does emotionally focused therapy work? We know that emotionally focused therapy focuses on a couple's emotional experiences and reactions first and foremost, and is based on attachment theory and the and the importance we place on connections with others as a source of our comfort and safety, as well as a vehicle of our own growth, but the growth of the relationship too. However, if we dive into this therapy a little more, 
then we know that these connections to others can be physical. Like our flesh and blood were romantic partners, yet they can be a mental representation of an important figure inside us that we form our relationships around. Or these others can be different parts of ourselves. The human need for others is hardwired in to us, and it's only our connections that help us feel safe enough to grow, take risks, explore the world, and develop into into the person we want to be. Yeah, when this doesn't happen, then our nervous system takes over by experiencing arousal, and people are prepared for avoidance of of risks. Vigilance because of the perceived danger, and they have a sense of hopelessness. According to emotionally focused therapy, these are all risk factors for mental health difficulties. And that's the reason why I'm uh, um, smiling here. Personally, going off my own experience here, this is definitely true. I think because of my mental health was at its worst when I didn't feel safe in my life and I felt utterly hopeless about my future. Therefore, if there is a, a, a psychotherapy that focuses on improving that sense of safety and security, then this is only a, a good thing for the people that need it. Additionally, regardless of whether emotionally focused therapists are working with real partners, mental representations, or in a couple's therapy, the therapy still explores the nature of our connections and the wide range of emotions they create. The therapy helps people to actively restructure these relationships too, so can help pave the way for the new, more rewarding experiences. In other words, by restructuring these relationships, it will hopefully help the client not to keep having the same negative emotions and making the same mistakes. I say in air quotes, in future relationships. Overall, I've already spoken about a attachment theory a bit, but emotionally focused therapy helps a client to understand how their negative ways of interacting in a relationship are normally are normally related to a fear of loss. Then a therapist can help the client to learn how to openly talk about their fears identify any attachment needs that their fears mask and then in and then in the client using their fears to distance themselves from the partner they can use their vulnerability to seek closeness too allowing the couple to solve any problems allowing the couple to solve any problems they come across together when is emotionally focused therapy used this form of a psychotherapy is really useful when a couple comes out comes out to a, a therapist feeling de-stressed and alienated to the extent that they believe their relationship cannot be repaired. The a couple might be showing the signs of extreme loss of trust, anger, fear, or even a, a sense of betrayal. Also, but these negative emotions are normally so strong that it's believed they've actually protest or despair over the loss of the connection and the lack of a physical and emotional closeness that the couple once had, as well as linking to the section above. In a emotionally focused therapy, these feelings are thought to be hiding unlovability, helplessness and fear that pops up when these bonds 
of, of uh, closeness are damaged. As a result, emotionally focused therapy is useful for people and that couples who have difficulties showing their emotions or they unfortunately believe that showing emotions are a sign of weakness. This is honestly one of my biggest pet hates in the entire world as emotions don't make you weak. It's such an outdated, stupid notion that I hate more than anything else on the entire planet. I just flat out hate it. Anyway, emotionally focused therapy can also be useful for people who have problems with emotional regulation as their intense reactivity is believed to be the result of emotional alarm bells being set off by fears of abandonment. Hmm, that does sound familiar. Then in individual therapy, using emotionally focused therapy, the um, therapist helps us to form a secure alliance with the client that becomes a, a, a safe space, form any emotional expression and exploration. That's the reason why this therapy can be used for people with, uh, with emotional dependency because emotionally focused therapy helps us to deal with fears of abandonment, intense reactions and their unhealthy attachment styles and that is really good to know for future reference. It is worth noting that emotionally focused therapy can be used in a lot of other places too because it does directly target emotional isolation. This is important because emotional isolation is believed to be the core aspect of a range of mental health difficulties like depression, anxiety and my personal favourite, trauma. Also, this therapy can be used to, to repair family bonds where, where parent-child relationships have become negative, for instance. Personally, as I mentioned earlier, because I can un understand how emotionally focused therapy is useful in trauma victims, since my own trauma, it does make you feel very alone, very shameful and very guilty. So you cannot talk or express your emotions to other people very easily and this causes a ton of mental de-stress. Therefore, by creating a, a safe space, this emotional expression is a flat out critical. I know that a lot of therapeutic orientations this safer, do this safer space work because it is basically the therapeutic alliance. But emotionally focused therapy seems to have a more focus on it. What should you expect from emotionally focused therapy? When it comes to the therapy, emotionally focused therapy is typically delivered once a week for 8 to 20 sessions. Then after, the, then after the therapist understands the history of the couple, they will start to watch the in, their interaction patterns with the couple being asked to identify the most pressing issues. After questioning and listening and watching the couple, the therapist can start to understand the unspoken insecurities and fears that underlie their negative interaction patterns. Normally, the first few sessions of the therapy focus on de-escalating the emotional reactivity and distress that the couple's egg, egg experience. 
even more in their life outside the therapy session. They do this by getting the couple to expand their emotional response patterns so that they can respond and recognise their partner's needs. In the second stage of the therapy, the focus changes to restore the deep emotional bond between the, uh, the partners. This allows the couple to create a, a sense of security that allows the partners to share their insecurities and vulnerabilities so that they can comfort each other and this serves as a secure base for the individuals and the couple's growth and their exploration of the world. Remember, everything in this therapy comes back to attachment theory. Furthermore, it has to be mentioned that an emotionally focused therapist isn't a passive person in the therapy process. They're actually very active in the therapy, since the therapist has to be a frame the distancing behaviour as withdrawal or fear, and highlight that this isn't a pathology, this is simply a misguided attempt at a connection. This allows a, a partner to express their deepest feelings for each other and what they need from their partner in a more adaptive way. Finally, the final sessions focus on consolidating the gains made by the couple in the other sessions, such as the couples have managed to improve their mutual support system and then they're asked to talk about any ongoing or problems so they can develop new solutions to it. This helps them to get the client to practice connecting and being comfortable in that sort of disconnecting whenever the relationship gets a gets uh, difficult. This uh, can only happen because the uh, couple now understand the true emotional needs that true emotional needs that used to uh, drive their negative in attraction behaviours. Conclusion Personally I always enjoy looking at other forms of uh, psychological therapies because we only really get to learn about cognitive behavioural therapy most of the time and as much as I love it it is certainly nicer to change things up at time and broaden our therapeutic horizons. Therefore, emotionally focused therapy is based on attachment theory and a couple's negative experiences and reactions as well as the importance humans are placed on connections with others as a source of comfort and safety, as well as a vehicle for our own growth, but the growth of the relationships too. Then, by restoring this connection in a relationship, the therapy helps a couple to recognise and to deal with the emotional needs of the other person. And something I'm starting to recognise more and more as I deepen my own knowledge about clinical psychology, it is there is seriously no one way to help a client. Also, no single therapy has all of the answers for a client, so I truly believe the most important thing that we can do as current or future psychologists is to try and learn about as many therapies as uh, as possible so we can pull on different levers and use different techniques depending on the client. Adaptability really is the name of the game when it comes to clinical psychology and emotionally focused therapy certainly helps us adapt for our clients.
Some I've really hope that you enjoyed today's episode and you got something out of it. I know that I did because emerging your focus like therapy is always like really good. Good though because it deals up with like emotions, intensity, and lots of other great stuff though. So, so I certainly found it interesting, and I hope that you did too. If you know someone who enjoyed today's episode, then please share it with them. I'm always really grateful when you wonderful people help spread the word about the podcast. And if you want to learn more, definitely check out Psychology of Relationships, the social psychology of friendships, romantic relationships and more, available in all the usual places. And if you want to become a, a patron, then definitely check out patreon.com forward slash the psychology world podcast. So have a great day everyone. And I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening today. I hope you found it helpful. Please have remember to like the video and subscribe to the, the YouTube channel. And follow the podcast on your favourite podcast app. And if you wanted to learn more, then please check out the backlist of the podcast episodes or my books at conwhiteley.net. So have a great day and I'll see you next time.